Hello everyone and welcome to the fourth episode of season two of the Formula Show, the Formula One show here on the SWW Network. Uh, it's just me tonight, um, or today, whenever you listen to this, um, I happen to record at night. Uh, and we have got some stuff to talk about. We've got the French Grand Prix and the two Austrian Grand Prix, and since this is going up, before Silverstone, talk a little bit about kind of what they're introducing there and whether or not it's good for Formula One. Um, but first, before we get into that, uh, we get to talk about the French Grand Prix, which I guess could be categorized as Mercedes is falling apart. This was yet another Mercedes strategy call that failed. Um, I mean, Verstappen went for the two-stopper, and Hamilton went the one, and Botas was yelling at his engineer, saying, I told you this was going to be a two-stopper. Um, I guess in these situations where, like, it's clearly, I guess it wasn't clearly because, I mean, it took Verstappen to 52-53 to pass Hamilton, but, you know, it. it's not like, it's not like this track is easy on tires, and they were using a softer compound than they used the last time they were here, so... They were going to wear at a higher rate, so I don't know why Mercedes thought they could do a one-stopper. Um, especially since it seems like the car this year is maybe a little harder on tires. And maybe that's solely because of the, uh, the floor changes. Losing some of that downforce. Uh, to keep the car up to pace, it, you know, you're going to have to drive it a little bit harder, so it's going to wear more on the tires. Um... Yeah, I mean, let's go through the finish order. He had Verstappen over Hamilton. Perez picks up third. Botas enraged in fourth. Lando gets fifth. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo gets sixth. You know, a good, pretty good result for him. Here, Gasly goes seventh. Uh, Fernando Alonso goes eighth. Metal goes ninth, and Lance Stroll rounds up the top ten. So, double points for Aston Martin, double points for Red Bull, double points for McLaren, points for Mercedes, obviously. Um, kind of a surprise other than how just enraged uh, Valtteri was is the fact that both Ferraris were out of the points. Highest they finished was 11th with uh, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc finished 16th so kind of a major step back considering we thought Ferrari had the pace this year that they didn't have last year so I mean it's you know 
the results of this race, I have a feeling, are going to be... Mercedes is going to look back on this one at the end of the year. and Especially if Verstappen wins the title. Uh, they're going to look back on this race and go, you know, how did we fail our drivers so badly? I mean, you know, it's it amazes me. We talked about it last week. Watching, watching Mercedes falter, it's fun because it, there's action though, right? Like it's not just Mercedes one two. Now we get kind of a more varied result. I mean, obviously it's been Stappen or Hamilton winning, so that's not changing. But it is, you know, Mercedes strategy calls affects both drivers. So Hamilton could benefit and Botox could get screwed. And so we see a double Red Bull podium or, um, you know, we see some other people showing up on the podium, which we'll talk about later. But this is definitely, if you had to point to... um. I guess when we look back at the end of the season, I have a feeling the turning point is going to be this French Grand Prix because Stappen pulls his lead to 12. He's doing, you know, 12 points is a lot because this is, you know, it's, it's a gap that, Hamilton's never seen since um I think since they were at Mercedes maybe um so yeah I mean it's this is also you know this is Red Bull's third straight win you know, with uh, Perez benefiting from uh, the disasters that happened to Verstappen and Hamilton. So, you know, Red Bull's building up their lead at this point in the year. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. The one thing that I hope doesn't happen, we'll get to it later when we talk about the Austrian races, I hope we don't just swap Mercedes for Red Bull. Right, I don't want to see going from, you know, the Mercedes dominance back to Red Bull dominance. Like, when one team dominates, it's not fun to watch. So, you know, it's... I just hope Excuse me. Uh, I just hope that that's not where we're going right now. Um, But, I mean, also think about it, right? Like, double last in points. Like, this season was kind of 
make or break for Vettel. Like, okay, yeah, he was going to have a seat with Aston Martin probably, you know, for the length of his contract. But with his result last year at Ferrari and getting spanked by Charles Leclerc, Let's pull up the 2020 driver standings. You know, Leclerc was in eighth with 98 points. Vettel was in 13th with 33. Like, you know, that was a terrible result for him. And, you know, for him to be in the points and you know we've seen a lot of well yeah Danny Rick Alonzo to a certain extent Vettel um I guess Sergio hasn't had it but Sergio also stepped into a race car um you know the the guys, the especially the older drivers that um, switch seats over the off season are struggling. You know, Carlos has two points. Well, this is as of the end of the Austrian races, but Carlos is two points behind Leclerc in a Ferrari, and. Vettel is a little over double Stroll's points, but Vettel's at 30 points already. He had 33 all of last year. Now, granted, the Ferrari last year was not great, but, I mean, Lando's in fourth. He's got 101. Danny Rick has 40. He is struggling in that McLaren, and, you know, we're, but, those points are nine races into the season. You know, you would be hoping that he's got control of the car. Right at this point, it's it's interesting how many issues it seems he's still having. All things considered, um, yeah. So I guess we'll go on to the Styrian Grand Prix, the first of the two Austrian Grand Prix. Um, and yeah. Red Bull dominance. Uh, Max wins. So his... Uh, races. So at that point, you know, Max wins Monaco, Sergio wins Azerbaijan, Max wins France. Now he's won steering Grand Prix. That's four races in a row for... Red Bull, like, this is the longest Mercedes hasn't won in the hybrid era, which is crazy to think about. Um, 
just the sheer dominance. And you know, that's Red Bull just building that gap to Mercedes. I mean, it's still close. All right, if we go to the teams, it's 286 to 242. This is after the two Austrian races. So, you know, it's it's still within Mercedes' grasp. I mean, McLaren's at 141. Ferrari's at 122, and then it drops to AlphaTauri at 48. So, you know, the top two were definitely competitive. Then there's a fight for three. And then there's a fight for five. Alpine's kind of tagging along to that fight for, like, they'll probably be fighting for sixth and fifth, but, you know, there's... There's battles everywhere, and then you have the bottom three, which are the bottom three, and you know, Williams and Haas have said that they're done developing the car, so this car was going to run the rest of the year. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, Max wins, Lewis second, Valtteri third. Sergio Ford. So the top, well, Max lapped through fifth. Lando was in fifth, and he was a lap behind. So this is one of the problems with the Austrian Grand Prix, and especially the uh, Red Bull ring. Because the laps are so short, you know, they they raced 71 laps, around the Red Bull ring. They raced 78 around Monaco. And it's a 16-minute difference between the two in terms of time. Um, And, I mean, France was a pretty caution-free race. 53 laps in an hour 27. And... Asterion was 71 in an hour 22. Like, the laps are so short. They're like a minute three, minute four seconds. When they're really going at it. So, you know, if if the Red Bull is a half second faster, a lap, well, the lap's a lot shorter. So they can really gain on the back markers fast. Um, I love the track, though. It's awesome. It's in much the same way that, like, uh, Monza's fun to watch because it's just a speed demon track, as well as Belgium that's coming up. You know, the Austria track, the Red Bull Ring is fun to watch because it's just... It's effectively... It's kind of like IndyCar racing in the sense that it's way more laps than they normally run. Um, so it's a shorter lap, and it benefits. Like it's it's not like uh, Monza where straight line speed 
is going to win you the race. It's also not like uh, Suzuka where you need to be, you need to have a stable car. Right, you can kind of get away with a lot of the track. And if you got the balls, you can put in a killer lap. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty good track, but yeah, I mean, you're looking at, you know, they lapped up through fifth. Um, they double lapped 16th and they triple lapped 17th. So, you know, they were scooting. Max was scooting. So, it was uh, always interesting to see because it's, you know, we'll, we'll get into it in the second race, but you can kind of, the strategy here at, at the Red Bull ring is less um, tire management and more we need to run the tires as hard as we can and once they hit the cliff we need to get off them because it's such a short lap that you can't you know there's there's some tracks where the lap's long enough and Spa is one of them where because Spa is the Kemmel straight, you know, okay, you may need to back it through a Rouge and Radion, you may need to back off it there, but you have this long straight that you can just kind of like, you can drive offline to cool the tires down, or, you know, you can weave a little bit to get heat into them, so... You know, tires are more important at, tire longevity, I should say, is more important at a track like Spa. Whereas at Austria, it's like, it's such a short lap that if you're losing a tenth, you're done. Like, so you need to get off those tires. So, yeah, and I mean, it was a, let's see. Uh, looks like Max stopped on 29. Was it? So Max made it a one-stopper. Um, Lewis double-stopped, it looks like. Yeah. To go for fastest lap, which I mean, hey, you can do it. Go for it. Um, and let's see, did he get it? He did not. No, he did. Never mind. Chart wrong. He got it on the last lap. It was a one oh seven oh. Average speed of 231.81 kilometers an hour. So he was scooting. 
Um, yeah, I mean, there's... There's really not a lot... There's really not a lot to talk about with these races because... They're... They are what they are. I mean, okay, yeah, you had Valtteri who spun in the pit lane in free practice, but that was about all the drama there was. I mean, not a lot. Um, Okay, so Gasly takes out uh, Giovinazzi and nudge Latifi, but it's this track is these races aren't boring. The problem is like doing them, doing all three of these kind of back to back to back makes a lot of this stuff kind of like. Kind of blend together, so it's one of the reasons why I'd like to do this short, maybe a little show a little more frequently. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was the other thing too is like we're kind of seeing, you know, the Aston Martin was dubbed to the pink Mercedes last year, and. You know, that shares a lot of resemblance again this year. Lance got eighth. Both Ferraris finished ahead of him. Uh, Vettel finished out of the points. McLaren and Lando have figured out the Mercedes powertrain. But it, it feels like to me... The Aston Martin is still struggling with engine development with the Mercedes platform, which is weird because they've been a Mercedes kind of uh, not junior team, but you know the Force India history there is like pretty prevalent too. So it's not. It's weird to see them still kind of like struggling for speed. Now, what I don't know is if maybe it's just because this is, I mean, this is the Force India team, and Force India was always known as being able to get more out of the car than anyone else in terms of resources that they had, basically. They could make their dollar go the furthest. And with Racing Point, that stuck around, right? Like, they won one or two races last year. So, you know, this team has pace. It has the speed. But it just feels like to me that this year, I don't know, like, Maybe some of Vettel's bad luck carried him, followed him from Ferrari. Um, 
or Ferrari just made that much of a step up, which is more likely. Um, and, you know, the McLaren car was already fast with um, Honda and Renault when they, when McLaren came back for the first time, or whatever. McLaren was powered by Renault for one of the years, and then you know, the Honda days weren't great. Um, and then, yeah, they went back to Renault, right? And then, yeah. So, this is McLaren, you know, potentially the second or third fastest car in terms of chassis development with now the second best engine on the grid. Now, I mean, obviously the Honda engine, you know, the Honda and Mercedes is debatable on who's actually better. It seems like Honda has kind of gone all in for this year since it's their last year with uh, Red Bull taking over next year. But, you know, it's it's weird because, like, the gap, the gap here isn't um, indicative of the race because Hamilton stopped to go for the fastest lap. So... The 30, 35 and three quarter second gap, you know, knock that down by 27, 28 seconds, you know, and then you have a more realistic gap of the performance between the Red Bull and the Mercedes. And, you know, with, I think one of the problems too is a lot of, a lot of the manufacturers, Mercedes and Red Bull included, I think, have kind of not necessarily written this year's car off, but they're dedicating fewer and fewer resources every day because they need to dedicate more and more to next year's car because the car's going to be so different. So, you know, they're... The performance gap, we're not going to see it like suddenly shrink with, uh, I mean, potentially Mercedes could redesign the whole car for the end of the year and give Red Bull, you know, a, a good title fight. But it just feels like to me that, like I was mentioning with the, uh, French Grand Prix. It feels like the momentum has shifted over to Red Bull and Mercedes doesn't know how to handle that. You know, basically since since the hybrid era started, they've been in the driver's seat, right? They haven't been you know, uh playing from behind at all. Realistically, I mean, okay, yeah, 
Vettel had a couple of good years with Ferrari where he got off to a killer start, but then got struck by the Ferrari bug, which is hopefully banished now. Who knows? Because, um, I mean, I'd really like to see... For as much as I love to see Vettel doing well, seeing Carlos succeed in a Ferrari and seeing Leclerc kind of getting his due justice for last year. Um, I mean, obviously he did pretty well last year, but he should have been, it should have been a minimum of a three-driver contest last year between Max, Charles, and uh, Lewis. Instead, it ended up being Max and the two Mercedes drivers. So, you know, seeing Charles with pace makes me happy, as well as seeing Carlos with pace, because Carlos was... Carlos has got that interesting, you know, a lot of these guys are, or just say the second generation drivers, you know, obviously. Max's dad drove an F1, but only for a couple of races. Um, in terms of kids whose dads raced, I mean... Okay, Senior didn't race much in F1, but he's a rally legend, right? Like, of all the drivers, um, of all the drivers on the grid right now that have had their dads race before them, none of them really, I'm not going to say did much, but they didn't really succeed. In the same way that Science Senior has succeeded in Rally. Obviously it's two different disciplines, but still, you know, he wants to build his own legacy. And, you know, he's he's finally getting the, the chance to do that for the public that hasn't been paying attention. Because, you know, with him, with Carlos, he's always been... In a junior team. Um, now obviously McLaren's not. A junior team. But. Carlos started in Tarasso. And went to Renault. And then went to McLaren. And now he's at Ferrari. So now it's his, it's his big. This time to shine right. Like Driving for Ferrari is. You know the ultimate. That's one thing that you can do. Um, so, yeah. And have one more race to talk about. The Austrian Grand Prix, not the Steering Grand Prix. Same track, though, Verstappen wins uh, again. And Botas gets his podium ahead of Lando Norris. Now, Lando Norris has history with this track, with him getting a podium last year. And obviously doing well the week prior. The surprising thing is that 
Hamilton comes home fourth. And yeah, it's interesting because you would hope if you were Mercedes, you would have hoped that Lewis would have been able to get a podium to help with the Constructors' Championship. Um, but, I mean, let's see. What's the gap now? It is 32 points. I mean, between Verstappen and Hamilton, I I don't know. Like I've again, I feel like we've been, I've been telling saying it this whole episode. The French Grand Prix was a turning point, and I genuinely feel like Verstappen has now got the drivers' championship is going to go through him. Right, it's no longer going through Lewis. It's not Lewis's to win in the same way that it has been in the past. Um, you know, basically it's Lewis's to win and he would have to make mistakes for somebody else to win it. Now it feels like it's Max's and it's Max's to lose to, you know, he's going to have to make serious mistakes and, you know, this isn't a gap that you can make up in a race. It's 32 points, so that's, you know, max points is 26, and that still leaves you, what, six short. So, you know, this is a two-race gap. And the gap between first and second is seven points, 25 to 18. Um Right, yeah. So, you know, this could be Lewis wins a race, Max comes home second, and then Lewis wins a race and Max DNFs. That's a potential. I just don't see, you know, this Red Bull hasn't shown reliability issues. So I feel like if it's going to be a DNF, it's going to be. You know, his DNF in Baku, you know, it's going to be an ex, uh, an external force that makes him DNF. It's not going to be the car failing him. So, yeah, and, you know, 4th of July race, I definitely wasn't watching it. I was floating down a river. Um... This race was spurned by uh, track limits penalties, which that's, you know, that's a conversation for another day, but, you know, it's been happening more and more, it feels like, this year, where drivers are exploiting the tracks. Right, we saw it at... um. Baku, or not Baku, uh, 
Bahrain in the first race with Hamilton taking turn three and just like going way off track. But he could because there was the runoff. So, you know, it wasn't punishing him in the way that going off track at, you know, uh, Imola or, um, the two city tracks, he couldn't cut the track because he would run into a wall. France is basically all runoff. You know, Austria, Austria is a tight track, but there are places where you can kind of exploit the track limits. And, you know, it's interesting to see it happening more and more. And maybe they're just clamping down on it more uh, than they were in the past, but um, who's to say with that? Uh, as to why more and more people are getting dinged for it. Um, but, so those are the three races. I want to get to this weekend is Silverstone. And they are introducing sprint qualifying this race. Now, this is something that sprint qualifying has existed in... All the lower formula classes, you know, Formula 2, Formula 3, or touring cars have had it. And effectively what this is, so they're going to have regular qualifying. It's just going to be on Friday. It's going to be the same format. Q1, Q2, Q3. Uh, it's going to be later. Uh, 1800 local, so that's 6 p.m. local. Um, the only difference is this sets the grid for the sprint race. This isn't, um, you know, this isn't like setting the qualifying grid for Sunday. This is setting the qualifying for the sprint race. And they can only use the softest compound available and they'll force sets to run uh, through Q2. Get into Q3, you'll get an extra set. Um, and the interesting thing is this no longer... Um, with the sprint qualifying, it's not going to lock the top 10 into their tire choice for Sunday, the way that it has for uh, every race previous, where if you make it to Q3, the tire that you went the fastest on in Q2 is your starting tire. Um... Saturday, they're going to have an hour-long practice for the sprint race. And it will be 17 laps. It should last around 25, 30 minutes. Um, 
effectively the idea is that they won't have to worry about tires. This is just like basically Q3 shootout with 20 cars on track for 17 laps. And the, the cool sprint race or sprint qualifying, sprint race qualifying, whatever you call it, is kind of divisive with uh, F1 YouTubers. There are the ones that are, they don't want to see it because they don't feel like. This is what F1 needs. Um, You know, they're fine with it in touring cars and the lower formula classes because it has the potential to shake up the grid. Um, And they they figure that, you know, this is going against F1's plans to cut costs. But there's others, like me, the other side of the coin where... Let's just see what happens. The tracks were interesting. They were going to have it at UK, Canada, and Jeddah, I believe, was the third one. So they were only going to have it at three. Um, so, you know, it, it was um, three completely different track so you know it it had a chance to kind of let let the cars figure it out but you could in theory lock up the championship with sprint qualifying because so the winner gets three points second and third will get two and one respectively so and those are points towards championships so Sprint qualifying could, if we get like a surprise winner at this race for sprint qualifying and like, I don't know, uh, Vettel wins this race. He'll get three points. Well, those are three points that could, you know, knock him up a spot. It could drop people below him, you know. It could get interesting. Um, But basically, so, after the 17 laps, the finishing order is the grid for the race on Sunday. So we could, in theory, see some cars up the grid higher than they would be um, if they qualified, we could see some of the teams take it easy and just try to get through. Excuse me. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, we'll... Uh, Obviously, see, and then, so Sunday is the race, just like everything else. They lose one practice session, I believe. Yeah. Which, eh, whatever. 
Um, there are some teams that need all three practice sessions. A lot of times, what will happen is like FP1 is to see, kind of feel out the setup. FP2 becomes like race simulation stuff, so tire stints and things like that. And then FP3 is kind of more focused at qualifying, figuring out how to get the last tenth of a second out of the car. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll certainly be interesting uh, to see it play out. You know, it could be a dud. It could be what it needed, you know, to to get some new eyes on the sport. Um, Yeah, so that will do it for this episode that is going up on the 16th. Um, Yep. We will see you guys on whatever episode is next in your feed. This episode is partially brought to you by the Humble Choice Program. Did you know Humble Bundle has a great monthly subscription service that lets you get a ton of video games every single month? That's right. From plans range from $5 to 20 bucks a month, you get a hold of a bunch of free games they have available to you. And you can use our code down in the description below to go and sign up. It would help our podcast and help you see what great games are available for you this month. This podcast was a production of The SWW Show. To learn more, go to theswwshow.com. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter at The SWW Show. You can follow me at Mikey underscore Moni. You can follow AJ at Boy. Remember, new episodes premiere on Friday, 9 a.m. Central Time, on anchor.fm slash SWW and podcast services around the globe.